Today I'm speaking about a revelation of giving through the rich rulers. Uh, this would be part three in our ser- series, Serving as Senders. Um, and just a quick mention about the celebration service. Uh, if you are not there, please check out the message online. Um, it was an absolute clear message for us at Gateway. Uh, Martin Dunkley uh, was preaching and he unpacked a word from, the, from which I truly believe the, the Lord is directing us and helping us to getting us into what we, what we believe is an apostolic center. And, and we've been on this journey. And I, for those who were there, who were there at the celebration service? Was it not amazing? Like it was an amazing word, but it was, if you were not there, please check it out online. Um, and also, I'm going to be reference, referencing a lot to that message. So you probably are going to need to, to get some of the parts that I'm talking about. Because you see, Ron spoke briefly at the celebration service about the absolute countercultural thought that Paul shares. Paul shared this. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul is quoting one of the things that Jesus said that actually isn't mentioned in the Gospels, but was no doubt passed on to Paul by those who heard uh, Jesus' teaching on Christian generosity. And what happened was Paul was addressing this quote and it, because it was so much in the fabric of the, of the church that they all kind of knew this quote. It is better to give than to receive. And I love it because I think that the, the early church had that in their fabric, but we need that in our fabric today. Because I think what it's doing is it's countering our consumer culture, our world that says it's all about us and what we get. And, and we, it even, even the challenge, is that true? It's better to give than to receive. Well, this morning, I'm going to read from Luke chapter 18. So if you have your devices or, uh, or your Bibles, I'm going to put it up on the screen, but we really encourage you to read, grab, your, grab something and write down notes, whatever you have, just open to Luke chapter 18. And we're going to see what the Bible says about a revelation of giving through rich rulers. Well, Luke 18, again, it's up here on the side. And a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witnesses. witness, honor your father and mother. And he said, all these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he'd become sad, said, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, see, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, truly, I say to you, There is no one who has left house or wife or brother or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. Let's pray. Jesus, 
I thank you for you're the word. And Lord, your word brings us life, but it also brings us the truth. And it gives us the way to live. And I want to pray that this morning, you are the way, the truth, and life. I pray that you would help us so that we can come in to you. Give us the revelation that would transform us this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Um, I was listening to a message um, in which a preacher was sharing something. He was sharing about his church and how he was going, um, how actually found out something phenomenon, a phenomenon that was happening in his church. He was saying this, that, you know, that Christian culture can actually be driven to feeling sad. Think about what I just said. The Christian culture can actually be driven to feeling sad, liking the feeling of sad. Well, let me explain it like this. You see, he was sharing how he started to preach the Bible and the words actually were, was, it was like the Lord was bringing this conviction. You ever have that? Lord, pre- you're, you're hearing a word and you feel a conviction? Well, the pastor started to preach truth and his teaching actually, he was just kept giving more truth and more truth and it actually got harder and harder and the people were feeling convicted. And as he did this, he the, the people would get so convicted that, in fact, some of them were so under the, under the conviction of the Lord, he, he said it was amazing. But they would even cry. They would go to church and be so impacted by God that they would, be, they would just weep. And it wasn't a bad thing. He said it was so neat to see how the church was actually convicted by the truths of God to such a place that they're weeping. But then he started to realize that... Uh, the, it became a trend to actually go to church to get convicted. Um, he would hear this at the church. His people would say this, man, that sermon, man that, man, that really hurt. Man, that was a hard-hitting sermon. But man, it was good. It was like he would say, oh, it ruined me. But then he'd hear them say, hey, you want to go get some pizza? And interestingly enough, he even said this, he was asking himself, because he started to feel sort of happy that people would be so impacted and convicted about this message, that they were so convicted that they would cry. And, And he actually was feeling like he was doing a pretty good job. And then one day he was in his prayer time, and the Lord came and just kind of, he was just having his time with the Lord, and the Lord said, hey, um, I just want to ask you a question. What, what, what's the goal? What's the goal that I, that I want you to do, to live and be like and, and operate? In? And he was kind of puzzled. He's like, what are you talking about? He said, what's the goal? Well, I, conviction? And, and then and Jesus kind of talked to him and said, well, do you know what? There's only one person in the entire Bible that left me feeling sad. And he was a rich ruler. Oh, is, is it Jesus' idea for us just to feel left convicted or transformed and changed? Because that's what happened with this rich young ruler that met him. You see, Jesus' goal isn't just to make us cry, but I have to admit, I am the biggest crybaby when it comes to church. If you ever see me, I'm up here, and I believe the Holy Spirit comes on me, I just start to weep often. Like today, I was actually, the worship was so good. Do you guys, any of you love the worship band? Like the, the youth? And I'm just feeling like, you know, there's no shadow on a mountain, climb up, nothing, you know, I'm just, and I started to tear, 
Because I'm just feeling the presence of God. It happens all the time. So, yes, I like to cry in church. Amen. But God wants to take me more than just conviction to transformation. I've been really, really challenged what to speak on after the celebration service. Because Martin did such an excellent job. Um, The Lord then brought me to this passage of the rich ruler. And it was like the Lord said, I want you to preach on this. This is kind of like the part two to what Martin was saying. I, I don't want just to come and have a complete conviction, but I'm wanting us to be able to say, I can give you all and follow you, Jesus. When I read this picture, um, I actually I read the scripture, I suddenly realized, because this particular passage actually really pertains to us in Canada. This really is most Canadians today, rich rulers, or at least our aspirations. See, both Matthew and Luke state he's rich. Matthew 19 says he was young. Luke does not. Luke doesn't actually say he was young. He just says he was a rich ruler. Mark tells how he ran up and he knelt before Jesus. The other two Gospels don't. He gives this depiction that he was running up, kneeling before it. So he's very reverent. He's like, God, I want you. Or Jesus, you know, he's, he's coming to him very respectfully, not arrogantly. And I suddenly started to see myself in this picture. You see, this rich man comes to Jesus with a question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And I started to realize, like last week, I came to the front uh, to give my vegetable garden. Now, if you don't know, again, I'm referring to what Martin had said, that there was this truth that God says, I want to take your vegetable gardens and I want to make them into hills and valleys, upgrade. I'm going to give you an upgrade. And I found myself going to the front, kneeling before the Lord and saying, God, I want this. I kind of sort of asking the same question that this rich young ruler would be saying, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Lord, I believe you want to bless. And at first, to be honest, I don't actually see myself particularly young, and I don't see myself as a rich ruler. How many of you see yourselves as a rich young ruler? Aaron, come on. But when I started to unpack this, I thought about it, and I said, "Ah, no, no, wait a minute. You live in a place where you're not, you're not living in a place that one-sixth of the population are living in slums. They are in Nairobi. One-sixth of the population living in absolute slums. We have a lot, actually. Uh, I, I have to admit that I may not think I'm very young, but... Um, I do have these incredible health benefits that if something was to happen, I, I'm pretty well taken care of. And I started to actually look at him going, you know, I don't have a whole lot of gray hair for 45. I, I, I'm, you know, and I think in our culture, we're actually living older to some degree. So I'm, and I started going, you know, but I'm also really blessed because I have a beautiful wife. I have incredible kids. I have a lovely church. And then the Lord said, you are rich. Yeah. See, in Canada, I don't think that I'm rich, but I think there's a reality. You are a rich ruler. This parable is, or this story is us to some degree. 
And so then it became really relevant as I suddenly was picturing myself running up to Jesus going, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do that I would bless and I want to see my vegetable gardens turn into hills and mountains? I was, and I was reflecting about the message I just received last week. And I found myself that even with the riches, I was coming to Jesus looking for something more. I actually truly know that all these things that I've said of, of my, the riches that I have truly don't satisfy. And I do believe God wants to give us an upgrade. But I don't want to leave just with conviction and leave feeling sad. So, I want to believe truly if you have left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, will you not receive many more things in this time and in the time to come, eternal life. That's what I want. To truly believe that if I gave this all, that if I give, it's better to give than to receive as a rich ruler. And so what I love about this is that Jesus brings the rich ruler to a truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And this is meant to give him actually liberty and freedom that he would be able to be released to give. So Jesus is going to give him a revelation through this story by challenging the rich ruler with some of the truth. There's a truth, but then there's also a heart posture that he's wrestling through. I'll explain as we go. The first thing that Jesus does is he says an incredible truth to a rich young ruler. You and I, a truth. It is impossible for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, some commentators, I, I actually asked about, some were going um, about this illustration that Jesus used in, in verse 25. For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. It was an illustration that he used, and some... Uh, the cow, it's interesting because Jesus is using the largest animal that the Palestinians knew. A camel. That was the biggest animal that they knew of the time that they saw. Then he uses the smallest uh, household item, the smallest opening, a needle, that they would be aware of. He uses these two things as an illustration. Now, some have said, well, there was, you know, possibly there was this gate. And this gate was a gate on the side that when they came at night, they closed the door, and, and in order to really come in, these camels would have to stoop low and get on their knees so they could crawl through. Well, there isn't actually any archaeological evidence to that. It's just, it, was a, it potentially happened in some of the Byzantine structures later on that they built this little house gate, but in the time, it probably wasn't, so there's not necessarily this reference. We actually think Jesus was making a reference of the impossible, how do you take a camel, the largest animal you know, and stick it through the smallest object that you can possibly know as in a household item? It's like this. He's trying to say it's not merely difficult for the wealthy to be saved, but without God's grace, it is impossible. Is this the truth? It's impossible for us in our wealth See, God isn't addressing wealth as a sin. He's not addressing that. But he's challenging this rich ruler's heart 
and the reality of a truth. Well, what is the heart posture of this rich ruler? What is, well, the th- I love about it is he actually wants to be a good person. This rich ruler wants to be a good person. How many of you think that most Canadians want to be good people? How many, how many of you want to be a good person? I want to be a good person. I teach my kids to be a good people. It's not bad. As rich rulers, it's like, I want to be good. But it's interesting, though, that still, a heart posture... Jesus asked a a theological question. It's such a weird question. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. What a weird way to respond. What must I do to inherit good teacher? What must I do to inherit good eternal life? Why do you call me good? Only God is good. What a weird response. But I love it because Jesus knows the rich young ruler's heart. And he's asking one question. If you, if you read under the line, it's like this. Jesus, what must I do to obtain? You see, what happens is the rich young ruler is actually, his starting place is himself. Do you know what the number one issue that we have to deal with in Canada is? Self. Preach it again, Mary. What is the number one thing that we have to do and we deal with in Canada? Self. Self. Me, myself, and I. And that's what this rich young ruler was still dealing with. What must I do to obtain eternal life? His starting point is him, not God. And Jesus is simply trying to redirect him. Only God is good. There is only one good person. And in fact, he asked this question, why are you asking this question? Is it because you're wanting affirmation or do you really want eternal life? How many of you love affirmation? I love working with Kevin and Aaron because they give me so much affirmation. You know, I am like literally a, a big wuss if it wasn't for people saying, you can do it. Sometimes as rich young rulers, it's amazing that we just want affirmation. Is it affirmation that will cause you to change? Or is it affirmation just to simply say, way to go, buddy. Jesus wants to give us affirmation, but he actually wants more transformation. Think about that. Not to just say, well done, now good and faithful servant. Like, no, you are faithful as a servant. Your heart has been changed. That's, that's what he's after. See, the the rich young ruler is like, hey, how can I get myself to heaven? How can I do this? And I love it because you stole my illustration. (laughs) Totally stole my illustration. He totally, I'm not joking, it's in my notes. I was sitting there going, I had a friend who was talking about another friend who had a similar encounter with Jesus. And the friend said, hey, how much... Do you, do you know how much I love you? On a scale of zero to ten, how much I love you. Literally, I, it's in my notes. A friend was saying, he goes, I just had a friend say this, and this guy was 75 years old. His name was Bobby, and he's a pastor, and a pastor for 27 years, Southern Baptist, and he is uber prophetic. Like, he's meeting Jesus all the time, and he constantly reads, the, he is in the word. Like, he, it, amazing. And Bobby's like, hey, Jesus, do you know how much I love you? Scale of zero to ten. Bobby's like, 
Well, if 10 is the highest, like we have no, no higher, Jesus? 10. Well, Bobby, how much do you love me? And again, Bobby, the same thing as, as Aaron was preaching or just sharing. It's like, zip. And Bobby's actually taken back. He's going, not even a little, not even this about, like, you know, I did all these things for you. And then he's like, no, no, the reality. Again, think it through. Jesus says, unless you remain in me, you can do nothing. Your capacity to love him isn't because you have the ability. It's his love helping you. I can do nothing without him. I can't even love him. And he's going, it's okay. You need me to love you. It's all right. That is the gospel. And the rich young ruler wasn't getting it. He's thinking, I have all this stuff, or what do I have? And he's like, you can do nothing. Honestly, to receive God, it's like, God, you know my failures. You know that I am absolutely, I have no ability. And God's going, yes, great, great, great. I want to be a good person, but I do not have the ability. Great. Do you ever get tired of trying to be a good person? Great. The rich young ruler wanted to be a good young a good person. <clears throat> you see, the gospel is God centered, and only God is good. And so we want to do that. Now, what is also this next thing is the heart posture of this rich ruler. Well, I find it interesting that he believes he's living out the commandments. Jesus asks an interesting question again. He says, do you know the commands? And he said, all these I've kept from my youth. I have fulfilled the command. I'm trying to live out these commandments. And I think that's awesome. That's, that is a great aspiration. I, I asked our leadership team a, uh, a couple, it was about three or four weeks ago, and I said, I was talking about what are, what, are we to, what are we doing as pastors? And we were really honest. We said, Kevin, Aaron, and I said, you know what? Bottom line is we're called to go make disciples. Right? That's what we're called to do. So everyone, we want to encourage people to be followers of Jesus, disciples. And then I said, well, what does that look like? Let's, let's unpack that. And we started to talk. Well, what do you, what do you mean by that? What, let's, let's, what do you mean to be a disciple? And we thought, well, this is simple. We're to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? We are to also love one another. And then we're to love others as we love ourselves. That's it, right? Really? Wouldn't that be what a disciple is? And I started to go, it's like this. Love in. Okay, I'm going to do this. I want to try this. Okay, ready, guys? All together. We're going to love up first. Ready? Love up. We want to love up. We want to love in. And we want to love out. You are great disciples. You got it. It's it. It's just love up. Love in, love out. That's it. And I, I was going... Well, how are we doing that? And we said, well, this is how we're trying to love up. We want you guys to go to a Hearing God seminar. Why? Because when you hear God, you know you have this connection loving up. Go hear God. You know what? We want you to go to a set free. Do you know why you want to go to set free? I want the junk to be released so you can love him. You can love up. Do you know what we want to do? We want to go to prayer. We have prayer summits. Do you know why it's the most important thing? Because we need him. 
I just need you. I, I, I can't love you, Leah, so I go to a prayer summit. And, it's, and you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw something I've never... And I, Administrator, please forgive me now. Pastor thinking off the box. If you can't make it to a prayer summit, email me. I will send you the prayer points so at least you can pray with us. I will, it is that important. I can't be there because I had a, this and that. Well, you can still pray. We need this love. And the next thing, you know, he says, but I want you to, to love in. This is why we want you to be in a small group or cell. Did you know you cannot t- completely love your neighbor or your, your, this church by coming on a Sunday morning? It, it doesn't happen. It happens in small groups and cells and when you're rubbing shoulder to shoulder on a day, on a, on a weekly. I say to my house group, we email each other. <gasps> hey, how's your prayer life? How you doing? Hey, I just want to, how, how's the week? In fact, uh, we had a, we, we invited another house group to our house group this last week and we said, we're having a barbecue and they all wanted to come to our house group. I was like, oh, this is not right, man. You guys are all per, per, piffling our barbecues. You know. That was a side note. Loving in. But finally, that we've been singing about loving out a God who leaves the 99. You know what? God is really after me in this one. If church is just simply about us and our family gatherings and not recognizing the family that are lost, I wouldn't be here. I did not grow up in a Christian home. And I'm so thankful that my friends had the courage and the conviction to say I need Jesus so that I could be a part of the family. The Lord just kind of said, Norm, you're doing a great job. You're doing exactly what I said. I commanded, I took to that rich rich young ruler and I said, do you know the commands? You're telling them, live out the commands. Keep doing it. He gave me this affirmation saying, keep telling them to live out my commands. Go make disciples, Norm. And I felt this affirmation. Come on, tell them. Go to a set free. Tell them to go to your hearing God. Tell them to read my Bible every day. Don't stop. I told the rich young ruler. But here's the other part. The rich young ruler said, I have kept all these. Really? Well, Jesus goes for his heart. And this is where it gets challenging. Because Jesus now asked in in Luke 23, The rule is very sad because he was extremely rich and he loved his riches more than God, showing that he kept neither the first commandment nor the tenth, for riches were his God and he desired them more than God to be truthful. There's a reality that we have to fight when when we have rich, when we're rich, that we love our riches more than God, we love our stuff more than God, we love our things. And Jesus' strategy was to turn the man from focusing on external behavior to the law, to examining his heart and revealing the ruling of of God in him. In fact, the Gospel of Mark says this, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus is saying, he wasn't despising this rich ruler, he was going, I love you. This is why I'm going to ask this really tough question. You still lack one thing. Give it all. Give it all. And then you will receive eternal life. Give it and you'll have a treasure and come, follow me. And this is the revelation that obedience is better than sacrifice. And this is where the rich young ruler lacked. 
Jesus had come with an upgrade. He's coming to him to give him and sell everything and follow me. But the rich, rich young ruler only sees the loss. He doesn't see the gain. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And the person standing right there in front of him, he doesn't actually know it's him. We think, man, you, you, you threw it out. Why did you not just throw it all away? You had the opportunity of standing right there saying, come. So this morning, uh, what are the th- do you know the commands? How about we live them? And <clears throat> maybe we need to say no to some things and give stuff away. Well, the last question, this is the truth, and I'll go through it really quickly because it's really simple. The truth, there's a truth. Then who can be saved? And this is what response that Jesus said. But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. See, it's not merely difficult for the wealthy to be saved, but without God's grace, it's impossible. I said that, but it is possible. It is possible for rich people to come to know Christ. And I'll explain why. If you noticed when I said at the title of this message, there was a revelation of giving through the rich rulers. There is another rich ruler that right after this chapter, we encounter. Chapter 19. And I'm, I'm just for sake of purpose, I'm not going to actually, re- I'm just going to go through it really quickly. It's a story followed by a wealthy man who encounters Jesus, and his name is Zacchaeus who is also very rich. And this story is incredible. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I'll stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. A different reaction to this rich young ruler, or this rich ruler. And when he saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone to the guest of a man who was a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the, to the Lord, now this is incredible, Look at this response. Behold, Lord, the half of, the, of my goods I give to the poor. And I have defrauded anyone of anything. I restore it fourfold. Oh. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. What, what is in the heart posture of this rich ruler? Really simple. Unlike another rich ruler, this is a different rich ruler, but look at his heart. He receives him joyfully. How do you receive it? Well, I love this. Zacchaeus, I want to have dinner with you today. And what's Jesus, what's Zacchaeus' response? I just want to have dinner with you. Come on. Come on. You want to have, you just want to have time with me. I I love the threads that are going. Just pray. Ask the question, how much does God love you? Let that sink in you. As a rich ruler, what is that doing to you? You want to come and and have dinner with me? You want to have dinner with me? That's all you are looking to do this week, that I would wake up in the morning, have a cup of coffee and say, and Jesus saying, hey, ready to smile? What's the day like? That's what you're looking for. And, and our response is joy. Joy. You see, in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus speaks to another rich church. And he says something because he's giving an invitation, just like he did with Zacchaeus. In Revelation 3, he says to the Laodicean church, For you say I'm rich, 
I have prospered and I need nothing. But realize you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined from, by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself to, to shame of your nakedness may not be seen and soft to anoint your eyes so that you may see. The one whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. But this is the neat part. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone would open the door, guess what I want to do with them? Sup. God, help me to have the joy of you wanting to, just to meet with you. That's what Zacchaeus did. To be able to say, Jesus, I just am so privileged to be able to be at the feet. Because you know what? At the feet, I see, I'm not just meeting a, a, a rabbi or a good teacher. I'm, re, I'm meeting the creator of the universe. I'm, I'm meeting with the one who spoke everything into being. I'm meeting with the person who loves me with so much that he would give his own body, he would die for me. I'm meeting with somebody that is so amazing. And you know what? It's a little hard to just kind of just smile and nod my heart. I get actually full of joy. You know what we have written on there? Gateway exists to spread a passion for the glory of God through Jesus Christ to every nation and every generation. What does it mean to spread a passion for the glory of God? Is it maybe that we are so understanding of the joy that we have received that we are really kind of excited to have this? Do you know what passionate people are like? I've seen them. I've seen them at a Jets game. They're pretty crazy because they're, I don't know, a puck goes through the net and they're really excited. They have pretty passionate. I mean, I'm watching the garb. They put on weird stuff. They do it because they really like hockey. They have a lot of joy watching it. I have a lot of joy watching it. But how much more spreading a passion for the glory of God? And I just want to, Lord, help me to have a heart posture. A missionary sat on a patio watching a black ant crawl up a table leg until it reached some spilled sugar. And it seemed to eat, crawled back down the table leg, and soon two other black ants started crawling up the table to the, to the sugar. They ate and left. And then soon, in a quick moment, there was a steady stream of ants going up and down this table leg and getting the sugar. And the missionary thought to himself, you know what? These guys, they seem to have some system which to tell others, I've found something good and I want to share it. And then he thought, I think Christians could learn something from these ants. I got something good, and I want to share it. Well, the last one is this, a heart posture which is simple. The, the posture of this rich ruler is transformation. Zacchaeus' response doesn't lead to sorrow, but it leads to repentance. In fact, without Jesus having to say anything, he is not mentioning go give. It just bubbles out of him. Behold, Lord, Half of my goods I'll give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Lord, it's better to give than to receive. I'm tired of taking. I've taken from other people. I don't, this is not the way to live. I believe you have a better way to live. And that's his response. It's his reaction to Jesus. Can I, can I give you a revelation that I found very interesting? 
This is off my notes. Did you know that most people, most churches, if everyone actually tithed to their local church, they would not have any problems or any debts? But for most people, the idea that they can actually give just a tenth is a huge stretch for them. It's a huge stretch. And yet, I see Zacchaeus giving more than a tenth. He's actually saying, I want to give any... In fact, if I've even defrauded somebody, I'll give it four times back. I think it's because he understood who he was seeing, who this revelation of the person saying, hey, Zacchaeus, I want to come and have dinner with you today. Money suddenly became really different. It's better to give than to receive. And I love it because it does this. It just flies against our consumer culture. It flies against everything that the enemy and the world's telling me of like, you know, get stuff, do this. Or if you give, you know, it, 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 you just get lost. And God's going, no, if you actually give, you gain. For if you give your life, you gain it. But if you lose your life, or if you hold on to your life, you'll lose it. So here's the, the conclusion, I guess. Lord, I just admit that this morning I am a rich ruler. Not young, I don't feel that way, amen. But Father, I want to confess, Lord, you gave us this amazing truth this last week of how you want to bless us. You want to bless beyond we can imagine. Lord, I want to ask you for helping our hearts so that we, Lord, would not leave sad, but full of joy. Lord, I want to ask that you would do something, a stirring me this week to fellowship with you, to love you up, to love up, to love up, to love in and to love out like I've never done before. I'm asking to increase because I know your commands. But Lord, not out of legalism or religious duty, but because I delight in you. I thank you that, Lord, you desire and you want us to be good. But Lord, it's not because we're good, it's because you are good. You are good. And you're so captivated by that truth that we can share that to the people around us. And Lord, I admit, I am pitiful, naked, poor, and blind. And Lord, in this rich culture, show and expose that so that I could be rich in you. I would be clothed. And Lord, I would have sav, and I would be uh, (laughs) clothed more in you. And everyone said, amen.